Hey everyone, welcome to Emmanuel Fellowship's podcast. This is Pastor Trent, the founding pastor of Emmanuel Fellowship, a church in South Minneapolis that exists to serve our city and to live for God's glory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We pray that this message encourages you to follow Jesus and to see his presence and power everywhere in your life. I was talking to a new friend recently who's in a moment of transition. And fittingly, he's reading the book of Exodus as he goes through a major shift in his life. Exodus, of course, is the story of God's people as they were redeemed and rescued out of slavery in Egypt and then on their way to the promised land. And so in this season of my friend's life, he's reflecting back on where he's come from, and he's looking forward to try and discern and to pull together the pieces of what God might be preparing him for next. And what I want to do just out of the gate is to say, church, I want us to be more like that. I mean, we are a community of doers. We are action-oriented. We've got lots to offer. I'm so proud of the way that we've responded in the wake of George Floyd's death and the way we've rallied in a season of pandemic to continue to grow as a church. But listen, we need to give ourselves not just to action, but to contemplation. Contemplation, of course, is the thing that tends to tether the events of life together in such a way that gives meaning to the pieces in light of the whole. I I grew up at the lake, and it's summertime now, and I'm thinking of the wake, wishing I could be at the lake. And if you've ever been on a boat or on a dock and seen a boat come and park, right, to dock, you know that the boat better slow down, right? Because you don't want to be ramming into the dock full speed. You have to slow down. And then, of course, as soon as you bump and make contact, right, you want to attach, you want to tether with a cleat or a pole on the dock and something on the boat, tying the two together so that whoever is on that boat can then safely walk across onto what is next for them. Now, If, for example, you leave a lot of slack in the line that you've tied the boat to the dock, then of course the boat when waves and wind come is going to smash up against the dock and it's going to damage both the dock as well as the boat. Contemplation is sort of like that tethering rope that brings together the, the things and pieces of life so that you can understand them. We need contemplation for the transitions of life, and we need contemplation for the transitions of Scripture. And this passage this morning is a moment of transition. To help you understand it, I want to look at the middle of the passage in the last several chapters, and then I want to look back and then look forward to help us gain perspective on what's going on here, all right? If you look right in the square in the middle of chapter, the end of chapter 3 into chapter 6, what you find in the middle is this command that we studied last week to be imitators of God. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, as beloved children... As those who have been loved by Christ, those who in love Christ gave himself up for, you are to walk in love. Not only are you to receive love, but you're to give love. And and listen, so many of you have had moments in your life of experiencing the love of God in profound ways or of experiencing the love of others in deeply meaningful ways. And some of you have had far less of them. 
experienced much pain in life, but, but everybody that I know within our church has had some moment where their humanity has, has been given validity so that they've been shown love that makes them go, this is what I was made for. I was made for this kind of love. This is my design. This is my blueprint. This is my hardwiring to be loved. And then to walk in love. Walk is the key phrase in these chapters. To walk in a manner worthy. To walk in love. To walk in the light. You see, reconciliation with God gives you the desire and the capacity to begin to reflect God again, to imitate him again. Everything in these verses today is an answer to the question, how do we walk as King Jesus walked? How do we walk as God walked? How do we imitate the very likeness of God? And today, Paul's answer is walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. So that's the middle. That's the heart of these few chapters. And if you look back, what you see is that on the heels of chapter 3, where Paul gives that amazing doxology, where he says, Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, right? To him be glory. And then when he talks and prays that they would be strengthened with the power in their inner being of the Holy Spirit and that they would know the love of Christ that is beyond all height and breadth and width and depth. All of that. The Spirit, powering the church, comes so that it might walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called. And if you look at the pattern, here's what you see. The end of chapter 3, this incredible charge of the Spirit empowering. And then, in our passage today, to be filled with the Spirit. And then you could sort of step inward from there to see that Paul says, walk in a manner worthy which in some ways parallels walk in wisdom that we'll study today. And then walk as a new creation, no longer as Gentiles, parallels, of course, walk in the light, no longer in darkness. And at the heart of the passage is this incredible chiasm, right? It's the way that the scriptures sort of parallel and then work their way towards a central point that we are to walk in love as imitators of God, meaning You were made in the likeness of God, the Imago Dei, and you are to reflect the image of God. And sin at its very core is a distortion of that. It's walking out of line with God's design. It's forgetting the blueprint. So that's where we've been. We've been working our way through this incredible section of scripture, and now we are at a moment of transition. And if we look ahead, Paul's going to get practical. He's going into the nitty-gritty of relationships, pressing God's blueprint, his design into them. And so everything that Paul is going to say about marriage, about parenting, and about working relationships, those things are tied to what he says in verses 15 through 21 of chapter 5, our passage today. The final metaphor of what it means to walk like Jesus to walk in wisdom, to understand the will of the Lord, and most importantly, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's go one by one through those three 
contrasting pictures. Here we are in verse 15 of chapter 5. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. My uh, family has um, been having a lot of fun bike riding this spring. Um, both Audrey and Eva, our two oldest girls, are now riding bikes. And Isaiah actually has one, but he kind of more just walks and toddles along with it. But what I've noticed as we bike our way around the neighborhood, sort of our regular routine, is that my girls are not very careful in how they bike, right? Gives the father's heart a little bit of pause. Um, but, but they have a pattern of sort of looking at trees and squirrels and flowers and cars that drive by. I don't know if they ever look carefully at the sidewalk upon which they are biking. Right? They never look in front of them, but somehow they keep going forward. But, but sooner or later, out pops one of those squares of pavement in a bump caused by a root from a tree or something. And all of a sudden, they're wandering, sort of wobbling on their bike and bop, fall to the ground. What Paul is getting at here is not caution and anxiety, but purpose, diligence. There is a kind of bike riding that especially my oldest does when she's ready to go fast, where she looks straight ahead, she sees what's going on, and she walks or bikes with intention. Because the reality of Minneapolis sidewalks is the squares are evil. Like somehow they're going to pop up and they're going to get you. At least that's the way it seems for my kids. So what Paul wants us to do is to take care. Something we don't do naturally. Such that we have a purpose and an intention for our steps. This kind of divine wisdom is not in our instincts. But something that requires constant renewal of mind and intention in our actions. We are to look carefully how we walk, making the best use of time. The word here is to redeem. Redeeming the time is what it literally means. So think of purchasing at the right moment, at the right time, cashing in, making the most of an opportunity is the language of stewarding well the resource you've been given of time. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. What's he getting at here? <laughs> like, like our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, evil, Sunday's good. You know, but like, no, he, he's, not, he's not talking about that. He's trying to help you see that the environment in which you live is not neutral. We live in a world, in an environment that runs contrary to the ways of wisdom and the ways of God. There is a course, a pattern, a flow to this world that is different than God's design. It is very true that if you start to live the blueprint as a church and you live the blueprint as an individual follower of Jesus, you will be swimming upstream to do good, right? You will be walking uphill to avoid gossip. You will be fighting the wind to embody the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those will be opposed because the days are evil. Are you aware that evil lies close at hand when you desire to do good? Are you purposeful in how you walk in this life or distracted? 
not giving attention to the way God has asked you to walk forward. Church, we must walk as wise, not as unwise. And if we read on, Paul says, walk not as foolish or do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish. What is Paul getting at here? First, if we're looking at the whole of the scriptures, we need to understand what a fool is. And let me read you some Proverbs so you can get a little bit of a sense of what the Bible says. There's a whole book in the Old Testament of Proverbs, simple sayings about the reality of life, how things work in the world. And this is what they say about the fool. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is the pleasure, the joy of a man of understanding. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A rebuke, a correction, goes deeper into the man of understanding than 100 blows into a fool. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Man, that's timely. Like a dog that returns to his vomit, a fool repeats his folly. The heart of a fool is corrupted. His will is stubborn and his mind is closed. Her body and her emotions rule her impulses and her actions. The fool is incapable of change and unwilling to learn wisdom. But what is understanding the will of the Lord look like? Well, first, it looks like the opposite of those things, right? A heart that's open and willing and with a desire to please God. One that listens to advice. One that takes joy in doing what's right. One that receives correction humbly. One that um, is not quick to share opinion, but is in search of truth. Willing to check assumptions. One who is desiring to learn from their mistakes. Not perfect by any means, but, but desiring to learn along the way. That's the path of wisdom, the understanding that is the will of the Lord. But Paul is actually not trying to repeat the first sentence in this paragraph. He's trying to develop it. Of course, we're to walk as wise, which is a parallel for understanding and for knowing the will of the Lord. But, but Paul is trying to capture something more, greater here with this phrase, the will of the Lord. Let me show it to you. Of course, understanding is synonymous with wisdom. But look at Ephesians and how it uses the word will in connection with the Lord. Verse 1 of the book, Paul is an apostle by what? By the will of the Lord the will of God. Adoption in Christ is according to the purpose of God's will. Christ has revealed when he came to earth and lived and died and rose again, he has revealed what was now mysterious, what was then mysterious and is now the will of the Lord. He has revealed the purposes of God. Christ has revealed the mystery of God in his will. And not only that, but our inheritance as Christians, the salvation that's been worked by Christ, the sealing of the Holy Spirit that is true of all believers is all according to God's will. Listen to scholar Peter O'Brien 
get into the, the, the heart of the matter when it comes to the Lord's will. The Lord's will is frequently understood by Christians to refer to matters of personal guidance. What does God want me to do here? How do I make this decision there? And thus, to God's immediate plans for our individual future. But the divine will in the Pauline letters, particularly Ephesians, has a different focus without neglecting the personal dimension. But however, the preoccupation with personal guidance is wrongly directed, if not understood first within the framework of God's saving purposes for his world. Personalized concerns about guidance may in fact be evidence of folly, not understanding, self-centeredness, not dependence. And they stand in contrast and need to be corrected by a true understanding of the Lord's will. What's he saying? He's saying there is a way of approaching the will of the Lord that is so self-centered and focused about the events of my life and how God wants me to make the right choice that is actually characteristic of what it means to be a fool rather than open-minded and hearted about God's great purposes that he's working out in the world. The will of the Lord is God's plan to restore and to sum up all things in Christ, right? And so moment by moment wisdom where you walk step by step with the Holy Spirit, right? The moment by moment life can feel mundane, but, but you need to see that Paul is injecting such purpose into the mundane elements of your life, Right? The Apostle Paul is wrapping up your decisions moment by moment into the cosmic plan of God to restore all things in Jesus after the blueprint. That when you listen or when you listen correct and teach your kids with patience, when you listen to others with kindness, when you do what's right in the face of others who might joke at work, when you choose gentleness over force, when you stand for what's biblically true but not popular, when you walk in love and you walk in the light, you are participating in the will of God to restore all things in Christ after the blueprint. So listen. If you lack purpose in some of the mundane reality of a pandemic, this is for you. That all that you are doing has eternal significance if you walk in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. That your choices are not unseen by the Lord. They may be unseen by others, but He sees you, He knows you, and they're significant for you. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And here we are to the final, the third sentence in the paragraph. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do not be drunk, for that's debauchery, meaning that's wasteful, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Instead of being controlled by a substance like alcohol, believers are to be directed and controlled by the Spirit of God. Not in a sense where like we are not present or not active or we're out of body and out of mind, but where the Spirit of God has filled us to the point that it's controlling, leading, and guiding our presence, right? The, the, the living God is making a difference in how you engage in the circumstances of your life. This is speaking of you opening yourself up to what? Be filled. Not you filling yourself, but God filling you. And, and, and the, the imperative, the verb, the present imperative, gets to that this should be the habit of every Christian and the habit of every church. This is God's design for you to be able to walk in wisdom. That's what Paul's answering here. How do you walk in wisdom? Be filled with the Spirit. Have the habit of opening yourself up to be filled with God's Spirit. And this is what Paul's been praying since the beginning of the letter, right? This is what he said in in chapter 1, verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks to you. See the parallel? Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you what? the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, filled with the spirit is God's design for you and for the church. Now, what do we do with what follows? We have this long sentence of four different participles Yes, there's your grammar lesson for the day. These are participles connected to the verb be filled. And what's clear is that they are not direct participles, meaning they are not direct or in a mechanical way tied to be filled. It's not as if you sort of plug into the outlet of singing or plug into the outlet of giving thanks and then all of a sudden Holy Spirit fills power. It's just not the way that it works. That's not the way these are designed. That's not the grammar doesn't hint at that. But possibly what could be going on is that these things, if you look at them, there are four. They're addressing or speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There is um, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's giving thanks. And then there's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So these could possibly be the expression of the Holy Spirit meaning they are the result of you and of the church being filled. What happens when the church is filled with the Spirit are these things take place. But I think that's only possibly what's going on because when you look at the parallel in Galatians chapter 5, it's clear that the fruit of the Spirit are the result of the Spirit. Why would this list be so far different from love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And then, if you look at where this passage has come from and where it's headed and the fact that it's transitionary, I think the emphasis is leaning more towards how one is filled with the Spirit rather than what filling the Spirit looks like. So probably, probably, This is getting at the environment, not the expression of the Spirit, the environment that's conducive to being filled. The environment you live in matters. Your environment matters. 
probably you've experienced this with quarantine. If you've been working from home, you might have encountered that it's not the most ideal place for you to get some work done. It just feels different, like your work should be taking place somewhere else and it's not free from distraction. Even those of us who are the most survival instincts, who can sort of make it in any different situation, who've gone through difficult things and come out on top, even us like that, environment matters. And when it comes to wisdom, this has always been the position of the scriptures, right? That those who walk with the wise are wise. And those who have the company of fools will suffer harm. But here's the deal. Part of the reason you and I don't walk with wisdom is because we have become convinced that environment doesn't matter. And particularly, habits of environment don't matter. So what is the environment that Paul is describing? Speaking, that is the word for addressing. It's literally speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, that's odd. But it shouldn't be. There should be within your own life and within the church community a manner of speaking encouragement that draws heavily from music. This is the way God's people always did. This is the way Jesus did ministry. Look at the way he draws from the Psalms. Look at the way he huddles his disciples and sings a Psalm right before he's going to his own betrayal and death, right? The way that this helps set the environment to be filled with the Spirit is it creates in an environment truth, tethering it to the, the, the reality of the scriptures, to the history of God's redemption and saving acts, that's what the Psalms are, mu- are much about, to, um, to an idea of being about others' good and not just ov- about yourself. Think about this. You're not to sort of speak these things to yourself. The command is, the participle is to say, speak to others. The community is to be speaking to one another songs and hymns and spiritual songs. When you sing at church and when you reflect on scripture, it is not just for you, but it's for you to speak to one another. But of course, not just horizontal songs of worship, but vertical. When your heart, that's not your feelings, but the core of your being, that that part that integrates your mind and your feelings and your body, it all together praises the Lord in worship, there is something that happens in your heart so that you are flooded with the Holy Spirit, singing to the Lord with a full heart, and then giving thanks. Giving thanks what? I love this. Always and for everything. What's that do? Well, one, it counteracts any coveting, any greed, any desire for what someone else has, which is idolatry, and it brings about a right relationship with God where you say, God, you're the creator, you're the sustainer, you're the provider, you're the one who gives me what I need, thank you. And then finally, fourth, perhaps most difficult of all, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to talk about this at length in a couple weeks, but you need to know that part of what opens you up to the filling of the Spirit is the posture of relational humility. If you are willing to humble yourself and 
to come under another, serving, supporting their needs, there is an amazing opportunity for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Why? Because Jesus himself did that. Jesus is the one who set aside any rights that he had, any authority that he had. And and he came as a humble servant, living, serving, dying, rising. Jesus is the one who patterned the way of humility and of submitting to one another and how he submitted to the Father. Environment matters. Environment matters. There is, a, there is perhaps a, a single way pointed out here to avoid temptation. It's to sing your way out of it, right? Like I, I heard a preacher say once that there's power in the praise. And he's right. There's something about praise of God that changes things. But also the way the Spirit comes is not as you read the word yourself, as essential as that is. But when someone else speaks words of truth and of life into your soul, it's it's empowering. Empowering. Listen to um, scholar Del Bach about this. So the praise and the worship of God, a spirit of gratitude and relational humility and well-being contribute to a setting in which we can draw near to God and by doing so live differently. Your environment matters. And if you'll permit me, I gotta hop on a soapbox here because it matters that you come to church. It matters that you come to church, right? This is talking certainly about corporate worship as well as other forms of the Christian community being together with one another. Perhaps like our expression of D groups as the the place where we challenge one another and care for one another to grow up in Christ, right? But, But this is clearly a tie for you to come to church every week, right? For the good of your soul and for the benefit of everyone else in the community, you need to be there. If Zoom teaches you nothing else in this season, and if quarantine teaches you nothing else in this season but that, you need to be present with God's people regularly, it would change the trajectory of your life dramatically. You cannot download the information. You cannot get the link with the experience. That is not the same of being present. Because information can be absent, but transformation always happens when you are present. Listen, I'm gonna gonna go too far here, but, but you and your family probably don't need a sick day or a slow day where you make pancakes. You need a Sunday. And not just a Sunday, but Sunday after Sunday, gathered with the people of God, encountering the presence of God and offering yourself to others within the community. That habit will transform your life. It's not optional, according to the blueprint. We must not neglect meeting together or only meet when it is comfortable or only meet in an occasional way. Have you set the stage for the spirit to play a central role in your life? Have you set the table for the spirit to be there in fellowship and to offer freedom. The Spirit can only fill that which is empty and that which is open. Can only inhabit a home in which the heart is open and there's space. Are you full of falsehood or are you open to truth? Are you full of folly or are you walking in wisdom? Are you full of data 
and technique? Or are you given to devotion? Are you full of grumbling or is there gratitude about you? Are you full of yourself? Or are you open to humbling yourself in relationships with others? What is your environment look like spiritually? I want you, church, to look for patterns. Like identify the things that you do consistently and do those habits of life speak to a spiritual environment in which you can be filled with the spirit and then we as a church can grow up together in love. You may be sealed with the spirit, but not filled with the spirit. Like you may be reconciled to God, but not experiencing the renewal of God's power that comes when your environment spiritually is right. This family is a moment of transition, this text. And you need to see that that relational well-being is rooted in, in the new life that comes by faith in Christ and also the new power that's available to you in the Holy Spirit as you're filled by him. All that comes in the, in the following verses about um, marriage and parenting and work relationships, all that is there is tethered to this. Do you believe in Christ? Is there new life in your soul? And if, and if there's not, would you turn from ways that are foolish and would you trust in the God who is the source of all wisdom and life, the one who is full of understanding Are you open to the Spirit? Do the habits of your life make it so that you can be filled? If not, would you change them such that you could walk in wisdom and be filled continually with the power of the Holy Spirit? Father, I pray for our church that as we wade into incredibly practical matters like marriage and parenting and work and even the history of bond servants and slavery connected to the scriptures in the first century, I pray for a flooding of your Holy Spirit in our community. Fill us, we pray, as we sing, as we worship, as we encourage one another, as we um, submit to one another and walk in humility and as we express gratitude for all that you're doing. There is so much evidence of brokenness in our world. There's also a lot of evidence that you're at work. Personally, corporately, in our city, in our country. And so, so we, may we be grateful to you, Lord. Praise you for the ways you're at work. And may you continue to fill us with your spirit to carry forward your kingdom and help us look more like the blueprint that you've designed us to be as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.